Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, Saka. Welcome to the edition of the Arsenal Audio Match Day program. Arsenal versus Watford, Sunday, 7th of November 2021, kickoff 2 pm. The contents Official voice around Arsenal. Sustainability. Player feature Ben White. Community voice. Foundation voice. Academy Young Gun. Around the Academy. History. Arsenal Women. Visitors. Watford. Match Action. Arsenal vs. Leeds United. Match Action. Leicester City vs. Arsenal. Supporters Voice. And Teams. Official Voice. Mikel Arteta. Every issue, we hear exclusively from significant figures at the club on our official voice pages of the programme. This issue, we hear from head coach Mikel Arteta as he takes charge of his 100th game. Ever since I retired as a player here, it was my dream to one day return as manager of this club. So to now have taken charge of 100 games is a huge privilege and I want to give thanks to all the people around me and for the trust and support that the club has always given me. As soon as I finished playing, I started to study. I started to do my badges. I started to prepare myself for the future. And then it was about visualisation, thinking one day the chance could come up to do it, so I need to be mentally prepared. But as much as you do that, when you're actually sitting with the owner, the sporting director, and they're telling you they want you to be the new Arsenal manager, all sorts of things go on inside your body. The first one is emotion, passion, incredible energy, but some fear as well. Am I ready to do it? I'm prepared. It's my first job. It's a huge job. It's a huge responsibility. But because of the feelings I have for the football club, I can't let these people down. So there's a lot of emotion going on there, and then there's a decision to make. Something in your brain is saying, this is too early, isn't it? But you have to follow your gut and say, listen, you've been preparing for this opportunity. They believe in you. Why are you not going to believe in yourself? Then it was a clear yes. Obviously with respect to Man City and Pep because of the opportunity they gave me. 
When I arrived, I wanted to work on the connections people felt with the club. And for me, if I have to define our identity now, it's one word. Unity. Without unity, you can't achieve what we want to achieve. Unity means every person that works in the organisation is together. It's our way of playing. It's our way of transmitting our values. Our way of connecting with our fans, our ownership. Everything. Everybody thinking in the same way, with the same purpose, without any individual agendas, without any egos. That's the task. Talking personally, the moments when I felt energised, like vitamins through my veins, is when I see the people around me convinced. When you look at them and they say, I buy into what you're saying, I want to do it, I'm right behind you. When you see players really engaged with what we're trying to do, that's when it gives you the energy and conviction to say, we're going to get there. I don't know when it's physically going to be, in two weeks, in three months, but we're going to get there because they're convinced. When they have that feeling, it's going to happen. I believe man management and football management is all linked, because at the end, decisions that are related to man management are probably also related to sporting decisions. It's having the capacity to look through the eyes of the athlete, the footballer, but as well the person. To be able to do that, you have to be willing to dig deep in their hearts, to understand what's happening inside. The way I transmit a message to a player can be perceived in a really different way, depending on their background, education, culture or nationality. It can be tough for us to say sometimes, because when he leaves that door, what's he thinking? Did he get the message that I really wanted? Or is he thinking something different? That's a process of spending time, really, trying to engage with them and understand how they act and react and what their feelings are. I'm learning about that all the time, and there's still a lot to learn. It's also important who gives that message to the player, and it can't always be me. And that's why you have a lot of people around you, and you need great people around you. People that know about this stuff more than you. Because then, if I know this much, and this person knows this much about something, I'm going to raise the level here. The teams that we have around us are crucial for our success. I try to bring fun to the training ground as well, in the way we work. We do activities to be close with each other, so at some stage they can laugh with you. We spend so much time together that there has to be some boundaries. But at the same time there has to be some banter, and there has to be some different language sometimes to communicate, which I think is very necessary. Then you want the results on the pitch, and I think the win over Tottenham recently, for example, showed some moments that represent the vision we have here. If you ask me, why are you here? It's for these kinds of moments. It gives sense to everything. To any bad moment or to every tough decision you've had to make, for all the hours you spend, only that moment to see that connection with something saying, I have a sense of belonging with what I see. That's enough. This is the purpose. You need moments like that as a manager. Absolutely you do. And you need it as a club. That's why I use the word unity. That's unity. There's no question. There's just embracement and one single direction, and it's so powerful. If you play every single game like that, I know the outcome. 90% of the time I know what the outcome is going to be like. You need moments like that to grow as a team, but also the difficult moments are necessary, individually, for me to learn, to understand, to reflect and to bring other ideas to try to shift and do something very similar, but in a different way. Things can change quickly. But how do you maintain it when you're winning? We have to maintain it. We have to make it even better. 
and we have to give the players more of a reason to believe us and trust us and to encourage them to do what we do. Because at the end of the day, fun and enjoyment has to be part of this. If not, there's no sense of what you do. I'm not a teacher. I want people to come back here in a few years' time and feel that it was an inspiring atmosphere and that it transformed my way of thinking how a team should live or a way of thinking how football actions happen and the reasons behind it. It has to have something else and those are moments that you can live together. It's unique and it's the meaning of it. And that's important also because we have a lot of new players in the squad. We had an immense task in the transfer window and we had to work out a way that, first of all, we could afford and also while earning immediate results as well as having big prospects for the future. The turnaround in the squad in 18 months has been incredible. It's about 19 players. That's a whole new squad and that takes time to gel. We had to make a lot of decisions, but we kept the same uniform basics. Do they represent what we want to do? Yes or no? If it's a no, he can't be here. Obviously, there's a big responsibility when signing players. You're dealing with human beings, and people can be unpredictable. But there's a lot of work and very methodical processes in place to find out about the player and also the person. In the end, you have to know that whatever decisions you make, you're not going to be able to please everybody, but you have to do what is right. First of all, you have to be able to leave your ego aside and your personal opinion out of the equation and just make a decision that's for the club, not yourself. It has to be for the benefit of the club and to do that you need to be analytical, consult with people, share opinions and then make a common decision. You have to try to go to sleep with your conscience clear. If the process has been done in the right way, then believe in the decision that's right for the club. It comes back to something you may have heard a lot. Trust the process. It's something that we've mentioned a lot because we knew what we are doing is going to take some time. It was necessary. I knew with the amount of changes that we've been through at the club, from top to bottom, in the squad, that it was going to happen. I knew we were going to get a lot of stick saying that because in football you don't have time. It's true you need short-term results too, but you want to build something. With our resources and with the model we've put in place, it takes time. So we've done a lot of work over the past 100 games as a club, but we're not looking back, we're looking forward. And what I want to see in the future can be summed up in one word again, unity. I'd be so happy with that, because with that word I think we can define everything that's happening. If we still have unity, that means everybody is buying into what we're doing, everyone feels part of it, and everybody is enjoying the journey. It's about growth, passion, enjoyment and fun, and hopefully we can do that. If we still have that unity in another 100 games, I'm sure we'll be in a great place. Around Arsenal Emirates will once again host the evocative Tommies. We will remember them. Today's match is dedicated to remembering the service and sacrifice of our armed forces community. To commemorate next week's Remembrance Sunday and Armistice Day, both Arsenal and Watford will today be wearing poppy-embroidered playing shirts, which will be auctioned for charity. We also welcome members of the Royal Artillery, who are guests with us at today's match. In memory of all those who made the ultimate sacrifice prior to kick-off 
The last post will be played by Lance Corporal Thomas Rudd from the Band of the Royal Yeomanry, Ends of Court and City Yeomanry, appearing by kind permission of Lieutenant Colonel Thomas W. H. Bragg, V.R., Commanding Officer, the Royal Yeomanry. Before the playing of the last post, we will hear the Ode of Remembrance, read by club legend Bob Wilson, who lost two brothers killed in action while serving with the RAF in the Second World War. Ode of Remembrance They shall grow not old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun, and in the morning, we will remember them. Those we lost. The following are Arsenal players who perished during the world wars. We will always appreciate and honour the sacrifice they made for their country. Spencer Bassett, Bert Beeney, Henry Cook, Bobby Daniel, Bill Dean, Joseph Dines, Hugh Glass, Robert Houston, John Flanagan, Leslie Locke, James Maxwell, Albert Maynard, Billy Parr, Sid Pugh, Charles Randall, Herbie Roberts, Dick Roos, Cyril Toos, Albert Walcock. As well as the players, there were, of course, many more supporters of Arsenal who have perished in various conflicts during the club's existence, dating back to the Second Boer War at the turn of the 20th century. In the centre pages of the print version, we feature a fascinating picture and accompanying story involving Arsenal fans who were prisoners of war. As always, the club has made every effort during the remembrance period to show our respects. Supporters will have seen the giant poppies on the armoury, and you may well see the unknown Tommy statues around the stadium today. We are also welcoming Islington veterans to Emirates today, who will be collecting for the poppy appeal before the game. Please give generously, and we are delighted to host them in a hospitality box for the match. The club will also be laying a wreath at Islington Green War Memorial during the ceremony there on November the 14th. Lastly, it goes without saying that all Arsenal in the community events and tournaments will observe a minute silence on both November the 11th and November the 14th. Shirt Auction As mentioned, the players' kits today will feature the traditional poppy badge and will be put up for online auction to raise funds for the Royal British Legion. All shirts will be auctioned live from kick-off. This means that you can start bidding for your favourite shirt immediately from the first whistle. All poppy shirts will be personally signed by the relevant player after the match and will be offered unwashed for the ultimate authenticity. The auction will only run for a few weeks, so don't miss your chance. All bids made are inclusive of worldwide secured shipping and payment handling fees, so no hidden costs. Go to www.matchwornshirt.co.uk slash poppy to get your hands on a unique piece of football memorabilia and support the British Legion. 
RefWatch, Kevin Frandis, today's referee. It's the Leicestershire officials' first Arsenal appointment this season. Last term, he was in charge of our 3-1 away win at Southampton and the 0-0 Carabao Cup draw with Liverpool, which we won on penalties. This is only Kevin's fourth Premier League match of 2021-22, though he has already issued 17 yellow cards in his previous three matches, but is yet to send anyone off. Arsenal for everyone. Embracing diversity and equality. Dave Seeger. Introduction by Alex Brooker. Dave hits the right spot. That's right, spelt with a W. After our next match at Emirates against Newcastle on November the 27th, a book signing will take place in the Armoury with special guests for a fantastic new publication from Arsenal author Dave Seeger. Dave's book, Arsenal for Everyone, profiles some of the many disabled Arsenal supporters and their relationship with the club. But we'll let Dave tell you about it. I wanted to embrace something worthy and watching my friend Alex Brooker talking about his life with his disabilities and his relationship with Arsenal proved a spark, says Dave. My outlook on life and football felt different after losing my son and exploring the support of fellow fans whose support was framed differently seemed perfect. Initially, I felt I would need to blend everyday fans with celebrity fans to give the project more profile, continues Dave, but I soon realised it was more about the stories of true Arsenal-mad disabled supporters. I already knew Karen Seal, the XGB blind football captain, and many disabled fans I liaised with on Twitter, but it was the Arsenal Disabled Supporters Association who proved the initial springboard. They loved the concept, and asked for volunteers in their members' newsletter. For Dave, piecing the book together has been a fabulous experience. The words humbling and rewarding spring to mind, he smiles, What has been particularly rewarding was involving the club directly in two chapters and ultimately with them backing the book wholeheartedly. Dave's hoping that his book can influence attitudes of some of those who read it. I'm enormously proud of the book, my club, and I'm in awe of all the fans involved who overcome adversity and their disability or condition to support their team. Mostly, I hope that in reading the book, folk will perhaps take a step back and think of those less fortunate than themselves and think twice before moaning and feeling angry about their team. I know I appreciate everything I have more than I did before I began the process. In short, we all love our team and want them to do well, but football and support is about so much more than the result each Saturday. As well as being available at the Armoury later this month, you can also order Dave's book from legendpublishing.net. Dave is donating £1 from each sale to Panathlon, a charity that gives thousands of young people with disabilities and special needs the opportunity to take part in competitive sport, and of which Dave's friend Alex Brooker is a patron. HTTPS colon slash slash panathlon.com slash Good luck, Lizzie. Everyone at Arsenal would like to wish Lizzie Reeve all the very best for the future 
and hopes she enjoys her final match day this afternoon. Lizzie has been at the club for eight and a half years. During that time, she has been instrumental in the smooth running of many club events, including match days, where her calm presence and organisation has helped steer many of her colleagues through the hectic nature of a busy match at Emirates. We all miss you, Lizzie. Good luck. Quarterfinal date confirmed. The details for the Gunners Carabao Cup quarterfinal have been confirmed as Arsenal vs Sunderland, Tuesday, December the 21st, kick-off 7.45pm, live on Sky Sports. Ticket news. Home. Arsenal vs Newcastle, Premier League, Saturday, November the 27th, kick-off 12.30pm, live on BT Sport. This is a Category B fixture. My Arsenal Rewards members will earn 100 points for each ticket purchased for this fixture. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Purple, Red, Cannon and Junior Gunner members only. Arsenal vs Southampton, Premier League, Saturday, December the 11th, kick-off 3pm. This is a Category C fixture. My Arsenal Rewards members will earn 200 points for each ticket purchased for this fixture. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Purple, Red, Cannon and Junior Gunner members only. Arsenal vs West Ham, Premier League, Wednesday, December the 15th, kick-off 8pm, live on BT Sport. This is a Category B fixture. My Arsenal Rewards members will earn 100 points for each ticket purchased for this fixture. Tickets are now on sale to all current Silver, Purple, Red, Cannon and Junior Gunner members only. Arsenal vs Wolves, Premier League, Tuesday, December the 28th, kick-off 12.30pm, live on Amazon Prime. This is a Category B fixture. My Arsenal Rewards members will earn 100 points for each ticket purchased for this fixture. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Purple, Cannon and Junior Gunner members only. An allocation of tickets will go on sale to Red members at 10am on Friday, November 12, 2021. Away. Liverpool vs Arsenal at Anfield, Premier League. Saturday, November 20th, kick-off 5.30pm. Live on Sky Sports. This fixture sold out to members with 15 plus away points. Manchester United vs Arsenal at Old Trafford, Premier League, Thursday, December the 2nd, kick off 8:15 p.m. Live on Amazon Prime. Please visit www.arsenal.com/tickets on arsenal.com for up-to-date ticket information regarding this fixture. Everton vs Arsenal at Goodison Park, Premier League, Monday, December the 6th, kick-off 8pm, live on Sky Sports. We have received an allocation of 2,972 tickets for this fixture. Priority booking periods start at 9am on Monday, November the 8th. If you are hoping to purchase tickets for this fixture, please visit the tickets section of arsenal.com as a matter of urgency where you will find full details of all the priority booking periods. An audience with Arsene Wenger and David Dine. 
This event at the Palladium tomorrow night is now sold out. However, you need not miss this stunning evening, which will also feature Ian Wright, Alex Scott, Dermot O'Leary, Clive Anderson and a wealth of legendary Arsenal players. A live stream of the event is available where you can watch the whole event kicking off at 7.30pm for a minimum donation of just £5. Go to www.live-now.com Don't miss out. Notice board. Totaliser £335. Happy birthday to Bolton's number one Arsenal fan, Abdul Hussain. Up the gunners, from mum and dad. Happy ninth birthday to junior gunner, Poppy Fryer, from mum, dad and all the Arsenal crew. Happy 15th birthday, Adam Charmant. The best son in the world and Arsenal's biggest fan. Hope you have a great day. Love dad and your nephew, Lewis. A warm welcome to Gilly Bohm, who, having recently celebrated his bar mitzvah, has come to watch Arsenal for the very first time. Happy 16th birthday, Callum Keeley Johnson. Hope Arsenal win for you today. Very proud of you. Love Mum, Finlay and Logan. Happy 8th birthday, Alexander Thomas. Enjoy your first ever Arsenal game with your brother Joshua. Love Mummy, Daddy and Joshua. Welcome Alex Fitzgerald, 7, attending his first match today. He's super excited and hoping for an Arsenal win. A warm welcome to Sharon from Invercap and her boyfriend, Addy, attending today's game all the way from Tel Aviv. Arsenal remembers. Joseph Michael Roberts, April 24th, 1934 to October 21st, 2021. My dad worked match days at Highbury as a police officer for many years and remained a huge admirer of the Arsenal, spanning bank decades. A gentle, loyal man. Rest in peace, Dad. Tony Ring, lifelong Arsenal fan, Tony from Bristol, passed away, leaving a wonderful family heartbroken. He will be truly missed by all, so please spare a thought for a true Arsenal fan. We have won 11 of our 14 Premier League meetings with Watford, drawn one, lost two, scoring at least once every time we face the Hornets in the competition. Rewarded with a win. Last month, 10 fans enjoyed our resounding win against Aston Villa from the My Arsenal Rewards Executive Box. Rowan, Richard, Cham, Tom, Ben, Toby and their guests entered and won the prize draw to experience the game from the clock end with complimentary food and drinks. With a bird's eye of the first half goals from Thomas and Ober, the atmosphere was buzzing. For your chance to watch a game from the My Arsenal Rewards Executive Box later this season, look out for rewards and prize draws on the My Arsenal Rewards Hub and show your support in style. National Care Leavers Week Arsenal in the Community and Islington Council launched a new programme to support care-experienced young people during National Care Leavers Week. As part of the programme, Arsenal in the Community and Islington Council 
co-deliver weekly educational, sporting and employment opportunities to young people supported by Islington Council. Participants on the programme will also be invited to attend events at Emirates Stadium during school holiday periods. This programme builds on the successful relationship and multiple projects between Arsenal in the community and Islington Leaving Care Service over the last decade. The club and Islington Council will also work together to support campaigns to raise awareness and celebrate the work of foster carers across the borough. To celebrate the launch of the programme, 30 young people have been invited to watch the game today. We hope they enjoy the match and we look forward to the start of an exciting programme. If you would like to find out further information, please contact Jack Ferguson by email jferguson at arsenal.co.uk Red, white and green. Sustainability focus. Arsenal Football Club has a vision to lead the sporting community in a quest to a more sustainable future. And the Match Day programme is taking the lead. Working with Carbon Link in Kenya, this season's issue is offsetting the emissions generated during the programme production process, creating the Arsenal Forest in Africa. Carbon Link have estimated we need to plant 12,500 trees, each absorbing 20 kilograms of CO2 over the next 10 years. The programme is also sponsoring small environmental projects around the club, as well as encouraging young fans and staff members to tell us about their green credentials. We are also highlighting our printer's environmental efforts. In addition, in each programme we showcase significant club-wide projects being undertaken as part of our drive to greater sustainability. Bishop's Backing Arsenal's programme print partner, Bishop's Printers, are considered one of the most environmentally conscious printers in the UK. Here we highlight their sustainability credentials. We've mentioned that bishops use environmentally friendly vegetable-based inks in the production of the Match Day programme. But not only that, they're vegan friendly too. They don't contain substances of direct animal origin and no animal compounds are used during the production process of the inks. Green Gain by Game In 1993, Arsenal beat Sheffield Wednesday in the final of both domestic cups. The Owls have a rather special place in our history, and soon they'll also have a special place at our training ground, as our green gain, this issue, is an owl box. We're hopeful that majestic barn owls will make the box their home, adding to the biodiversity of London Colney, as we hope to encourage some of our most impressive birds of prey to join the gunners. Great news all around, unless you are a tasty-looking small mammal. Helping Combat Climate Change With COP26 taking place in Glasgow, we look at how the area where we are planting the Arsenal Forest, in Boré, is coping with climate change. The Arsenal Forest is being planted in a part of East Africa that is right in the climate front line. There are more extreme weather events these days and the rainfall pattern in Boré is becoming increasingly erratic. 
The big rains used to come regularly around April and the little rains around November. But over the last few years, it appears as though something has shifted. The rain still falls, but the timing is much less predictable. And when it comes now, it's often in the form of storms, which lead to flooding, soil erosion and crop damage. Swollen rivers burst their banks, flatten maize crops and inundate nearby settlements where mud-walled houses offer little protection against floods. Mikuyuni School is located near the flood-prone Sabaki River and is especially vulnerable. We are hearing a lot of pledges coming out of Glasgow at the moment around what is going to be done in 2030 or 2050. But here at Arsenal, we are doing our bit and trying to make a difference on the ground right now. All the trees can help buffer extremes of weather, and neem trees, with their extensive root systems, can withstand both flood and drought. The 12,500 we are planting this season will reduce soil erosion as well as drawing down some of the CO2 that is one of the major causes of the climate change affecting the world so disastrously, particularly in areas like Bore. Program Upcycling Scheme Any programs that we don't sell have traditionally been offered to our community projects as valuable resources. However, we would be more than happy to let supporters get involved in this upcycling if they have a charity, school or community venture that could benefit from old issues and have the means to be able to collect them from the stadium. Please drop us an email to program at arsenal.co.uk outlining where and why you would like to use the old programs and we'll be in touch. Sustainability. Grow your own. Carbon Link have already received a number of orders for trees from supporters wishing to add to the Arsenal Forest. Thanks so much for getting involved in this exciting project. We want to expand our 12.5 acre area to make our forest as big as possible. There are three options to purchase trees. 25 for £25, 50 for £50 and 100 for £100. If you are concerned about your own carbon footprint, this is an excellent way of making a small sustainable step in the right direction and also doing it in the name of the club you love. And what an excellent gift for an Arsenal fan in your life. Go to www.carbonlink.org forward slash the dash arsenal dash forest dash in dash Africa for more info and details of how to be part of our forest. Basis for Optimism How a multitude of sports are coming together to discuss sustainable solutions. Back in 2011, Dr Russell Seymour, then Sustainability Manager at Marleybone Cricket Club, arranged a meeting for other clubs and stadia to start to discuss how sport could play a role in changing attitudes towards becoming sustainable. From this first gathering, a further meeting was held, this time at the All England Lawn Tennis Association, Wimbledon. Arsenal were in attendance, and it was here that we agreed to become a founding member of the association, which would become known as British Association for Sustainable Sport, or BASIS. 
The Gunners were joined by the MCC, the Rugby Football Union, the Jockey Club, England Cricket Board and the Welsh Rugby Union, amongst others, as Basis was formally launched at our very own Emirates Stadium. Since those days, Basis has grown and now has over 900 affiliates and members, representing many sports including cricket, golf, motorsport, horse racing, athletics, squash, cycling, rugby, tennis, yachting and, of course, football. Prestigious sporting clubs such as Saracens, Gloucester Rugby, Northampton Saints, Warwickshire County Cricket Club, Celtic, Southampton and even our North London neighbours Tottenham have joined basis with a view to working together to improve sustainability within their organisations. As well as professional sport, Basis is also providing a voice for community sport and also several universities. The new website was launched last month, so have a look at www.basis.org.uk. Since becoming a founder member, we have worked closely with several venues and organisations to share knowledge and experience as we collectively work towards carbon neutrality and to be more sustainable. Arsenal will continue to work with all members to achieve both our individual and collective goals. Eco Gunners We need to hear from young Arsenal supporters who are taking steps to help the planet. So far we've had some brilliant submissions from young supporters, but our run of JG Green Gunners has run dry. And remember, if you write in to us and tell us how you are helping your environment, Octopus Energy, our official energy supplier, who are supporting the club on its sustainability journey, will send you a cuddly octopus. So what are you waiting for? Email us at juniorgunners at arsenal.co.uk now. Our friends at Octopus are ready to send an octopus your way. Staff support. Every issue of the programme we find out what Arsenal staff are doing to become more sustainable. Community Development Officer Samia Singh is certainly committed to a more sustainable life. We have made loads of changes over recent years, says Samia, and buy dishwasher and washing machine tablets without plastic wrapping. We grow our own tomatoes, beans and courgettes on a modest garden veg plot, and if we get any tomato seeds stuck in our teeth, we use eco-dental floss, which doesn't contain plastic. We even buy earbuds made from bamboo, not plastic. We hear you, Samia. Superb sustainability. Ben White, Fan Zone. Arsenal players discuss the influence and inspiration provided by you, the fans. You need to see the real nitty-gritty stuff and learn to get on with it. Already firmly established in the Arsenal back four, Ben White reflects on his journey to the Gunners and reveals the part a formative loan spell in League Two played in his early career. Words, Josh James. Photography, Stuart McFarlane. David Price, Getty. There are a whole host of reasons why young players are sent out on loan during the early part of their professional careers. More regular playing time obviously is a major factor, along with moving away from home, taking yourself out of the comfort zone and sampling life at a different club or division. 
But for Ben White, his first loan spell at Newport Town in 2017 really opened his eyes to the effect that playing in front of passionate crowds can have on the game. By the time he was sent to Wales, the young defender had already made his first team debut for Brighton. As an 18-year-old in an EFL Cup game against Colchester United in August 2016, and he played another 90 minutes in the following round, a 4-2 win at Oxford. But those two games, played in front of a combined crowd of about 10,000, were his only taste of senior football before joining League Two side Newport Town for the 2017-18 season. That's when I first realised how much every game means, not only the fans but the players as well, he begins. Every point is so important. When you're in the lower leagues, the money you get for win bonuses or whatever is especially crucial at that level. Every point is huge, so every game is huge. That was a bit of a shock to me. In my first game there, I saw people fighting in the changing room because emotions are so high for every game. It all matters so much to all the players, and the crowd know that too. It all adds to an intense atmosphere in the stadium. It's also when Ben learnt that a crowd doesn't need to be large in order to be hostile. Newport's average attendance was about 3,000 during that season, but home advantage encompasses many factors. Nobody wanted to come to Newport to play us, but I loved it there, he continues. It was League Two. The stadiums aren't always the best, but it all adds to the atmosphere. Don't forget that I had come from a Category 1 academy at a Premier League club, where everything was perfect. The pitches are great, and you have all the facilities. Then you go into Newport, and it's a different world, really. It's probably one of the more old-school clubs around. It was a really good experience for me to go there and live it. That was one of the reasons I was sent there, I'm sure, to make the most of all the opportunities you get and see how much football means to people in lower leagues, the fans, the players, the staff. You need to see the real nitty-gritty stuff and learn to get on with it. And I can tell you that I absolutely loved it there. The whole thing, what I learnt, in the games and away from the games. It was one of the best years of my life, for sure. It was a season full of adventure and experiences, and it wasn't just the nitty-gritty stuff. There was some glamour, too, in Newport's FA Cup run, and the chance for Ben to play in front of some sizeable crowds for the first time in his career. After seeing off Walsall and Cambridge United, both at home, they faced Leeds in the third round again at Rodney Parade. Two late goals gave Newport a 2-1 win against the side who went into the game 53 places above them in the football pyramid. Next up in the fourth round, a home tie with Tottenham. That first game against Spurs was just unbelievable, Ben recalls. We were leading until the last 10 minutes when Kane scored the equaliser. We were close to winning, but they got a draw. It finished 1-1, but the whole thing was amazing. I actually had my driving test the next day, so I had to try and bring myself back down to earth for that. It wasn't easy to do that, because nobody would let me. It was such a good result that we had to celebrate it. But I passed my test the next day, so everything was good. I've got a feeling the examiner might have been a Newport fan, so I probably got away with that one. The examiner may well have been one of the 10,000 crammed into the temporarily enlarged Rodney Parade for the game. 
creating what the BBC website described as a riotous atmosphere at the 143-year-old stadium. There was a big build-up to the game, of course, but really there was no pressure on us, he continues. We were not expected to do anything. We could go out there and be free, play how we wanted and enjoy it. We had to use our home advantage. Before you even arrive at Newport, you know you're going to be in for a horrible game. There's sand and mud all over the pitch. We had the rugby team training on it before the game as well, to help cut it up even more. You know as a visiting team it's not going to be a nice day out for you. Our fans obviously played a big part in it too. As players, we all knew that as well of course. The manager didn't have to remind us. It was obvious. You feel it from the opposition as well. As soon as they arrive, you can tell they are not going to enjoy it. Even the way into the stadium is horrible. It's not a place to be for an away team. If you listen to fans of any League 2 club, you know they don't want to go to Newport away. It's always going to be a tough one, so that's even more the case for a Premier League club who aren't used to it. Everyone says, can you do it at Stoke on a wet Tuesday night? But in League 2 it was, can you do it at Newport? It was seen as the real test, and that's because of everything. The atmosphere, the pitch, the way Newport play is really hard to deal with as well. We always wanted to make our home advantage count. Now an established Premier League player himself, Ben will always be able to draw upon those experiences of four years ago when he next steps into the unwelcoming surroundings of a lower league club away in the cup. But his ambitions are much loftier than that now he's at Arsenal. It's venues like Wembley that he wants to be visiting for his new club. And, somewhat improbably, it was during his loan spell at Newport 2 when he first had the opportunity to play at the National Stadium. Newport's draw with Spurs meant a replay, and this was during the season that Tottenham were playing their home games at Wembley Stadium. Ben, still only 20 years old at this point, was about to play in front of the biggest crowd of his young career to date. Yeah, but I shouldn't have played that game really, he admits. I actually tore my quad the week before the game, but I didn't know if I would ever get another chance to play at Wembley again, so I made sure I played. To be honest, I shouldn't have. I only played just over an hour. But I said to the physio before the game, I need to play in this match. For me, I was thinking it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, so I would do anything to play. I did some tests on the morning of the game and got myself through them and Newport said it was down to me to play. Ben started the game and lasted 77 minutes, by which time Spurs were on the way to a 2-0 win in front of 39,000. I think Wembley was only half full, but it's such a big stadium that it was still a huge crowd. Certainly at the time it was the biggest crowd I'd played in front of. It was a good experience. They beat us, but it was really nice to play there. I thought I played really well in the first game. Harry Kane played the whole game, but we kept him quiet. Then in the replay they had players like Son, and they had a lot of the ball. To be fair, they did well on the day, and we couldn't do anything against them. They were a good side. In the end, the Newport following just couldn't recreate the hostile atmosphere of the first game, despite taking more than 7,000 fans to the replay. I remember I had a lot of people asking me for tickets for that game. In fact, I'm getting a lot of that again since I've moved to Arsenal, he laughs.
So for me, I always tell them that if they were watching me play for Newport on a Tuesday night, then they can come to Emirates to watch us play Tottenham. The irony is, Ben wouldn't be hassling his friends for tickets were the roles reversed. I'm not much of a football fan, to be honest, he reveals. I don't watch much football at all in my spare time. I never really have, even when I was growing up. I watched a few England games when I was younger, but I've never had a team I support. I wasn't that interested in it, to be honest. I was playing all the time rather than watching. I loved all sports, played a lot of cricket and tennis too, a bit of hockey, anything to be outside really. When I was at Southampton's academy, we used to go to the first team games, but I was never really interested in that side of things. I just loved playing. I never owned a replica shirt for any team, or collected the stickers or anything like that. It wasn't my thing. Nowadays I watch back our own games as part of analysis, and that's what I focus on, looking at my own performances and how I can improve. But not being a fan of the game himself doesn't mean he doesn't appreciate what they can add to the team. His time on loan in Wales taught him that, and his first few outings at the Emirates has only served to enhance that opinion. When I was at Leeds on loan playing in a full Ellen Road was always great, a really big atmosphere. In fact, I played against Arsenal that year at the Emirates in the FA Cup. It was 1-0 to Arsenal, but I think Leeds probably deserved to win on the day so it's a bittersweet memory for me. We lost the game, but playing at the Emirates for the first time was great. You always want to play in front of big crowds, and that's what being on loan is about as well, being introduced to these big games slowly. I have to say, though, that the best atmosphere I've ever played in was the Tottenham game here this season. That's the best. The Euros was pretty crazy too. I didn't play, of course, but being part of it was great. It was unbelievable to be part of those games at Wembley. He adds, I've played in a few games now for Arsenal, and my mum goes to all the matches. She told me how great the away fans are, and to be fair, we hear that as players. She said they're pretty mad, and she hasn't seen anything like it. It's great on those away games when you get a win and can go over to the fans afterwards and appreciate their support. For me, once the whistle goes, I don't think it really matters whether it is a home or away game, though. As soon as you kick off, you're concentrating so much on the game that you don't take in what's happening in the stands. You realise when the game stops and you might hear some of it then, but when you are playing, you shut it out. I don't think I've ever been in a stadium where the atmosphere has affected how I play at all. I can shut it out and concentrate on the game. I don't really get nervous before a game, he continues, but I find a big atmosphere gives me more energy and more motivation to perform better. An atmosphere like that gets me going, and it's just nice to play in it, to be involved in a huge atmosphere. He may only be a few months into his Gunners career, but Ben's relationship with the Arsenal fans is already building, and he says that's been one of the highlights since joining in the summer. It's been mad, to be fair, he smiles, when I go out, I usually get stopped and that's really nice. It's great to have that level of support, even when we had the sticky start to the season. To know they are behind you really gives you a lift. After so long of not having them in the stadium as well, it just feels different to have them back. I think you naturally pick up your game more when you have 60,000 people there shouting for you. 
it's all positive having them back. And away games? Is there one trip in particular that Ben is looking forward to this season? I think probably the United game. I want to play against Cristiano Ronaldo. I've played at Old Trafford before, but not when it was full. It would be a great experience. In fact, I've been there to watch a game when they played Chelsea a few years ago because my uncle is a United fan, so he took me along. But playing there in front of a big crowd is what I really want to do. Ben White, Fact File Born, Poole, October 8th, 1997 Joined Arsenal from Brighton and Hove Albion on July 21st, 2021 Previous clubs Brighton and Hove Albion Newport County, Lone Peterborough United, Lone Leeds United, Lone Debut versus Brentford away Premier League, August 13th, 2021 Lost 2-0 England Caps, 2 Sing up for the Arsenal, remembering a classic Arsenal chance from through the years. And I like it, I like it, I like it, I like it. I la la like it, la la la. Here we go, Saka and Emile Smith Rowe. To the tune of Rocking All Over the World by Status Quo. This one doesn't take much remembering, as it's brand new. Well, this season anyway and sung with gusto about our super-talented academy graduates, including at Leicester last weekend, when the Foxes' defence certainly didn't like it one bit. We've Only Got One Song by Matthew Basile and Mark Andrews is a book all about Arsenal songs down the years. It is available to buy from legendspublishing.net. The Top 5 Most Attended Football League Matches 83,260 Manchester United versus Arsenal 17th of January 1948 Division 1 82,905 Chelsea versus Arsenal 12th of October 1935 Division 1 79,491 Manchester City versus Arsenal 23rd of February 1935 Division 1 78,299 Everton vs Liverpool 18th of September 1948 Division 1 77,696 Chelsea vs Blackpool 16th of October 1948 Division 1 Community Voice Arsenal in the community engages more than 5,000 participants every week. Each issue we hear about one of our projects from their perspective. Olivia is a 14-year-old from London who is a keen participant in the Premier League programme Changemakers. The PL Changemakers programme is funded by the Premier League Charitable Fund in partnership with UNITAR, United Nations Institute for Training and Research. It aims to develop leadership skills in girls whilst promoting gender equality and positive mental health. I first heard about the Changemakers Community Programme from my secondary school. They recommended I attend and I'm happy I did. At the time I wasn't aware of any other projects delivered by Arsenal in the community, but I really enjoy playing football so it was something I definitely had an interest in. 
At the time I joined the programme, I didn't find myself in any challenging situations away from school. I was just looking forward to playing football as regularly as possible. The first time I went to play football at the session, the people were welcoming, and so were the coaches. It was a fun session. I really enjoyed it. Since then, we have played in tournaments over half-term at Market Road and off the pitch. I particularly enjoyed the leadership course. The social side has been a really important factor, socialising with people and finding new friends. The sessions are an easy way to do this and a big part of why we come. The staff are very nice and encouraging. When I first joined, they really welcomed me in. The staff are easy to talk to and if I have any problems, I can talk to them. There really are some nice people. From joining the sessions, I definitely find it easier to interact with others and have grown in confidence. The new skills I have learnt, I think, are leadership and teamwork and how to work with people in different environments. Using these skills, I've been able to work with more people, have better teamwork and understanding of my role within a team, for example, at school. I never thought I'd be doing a lot of other courses and activities alongside playing football. I thought I'd just be playing football on the weekends and playing tournaments and matches, but we get to take part in courses, workshops and other activities. I would say to others, don't hesitate in getting involved. You can definitely make new friends and get to know new people. The coaches are nice, it's very welcoming and a great experience. For more information on our Changemakers programme, contact Jack Ironside at jironside at arsenal.co.uk. Foundation Voice. The work of the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation's Emergency Covid Fund has helped Elizabeth House Community Centre run a food hub during the pandemic. Local resident Martin tells us how their deliveries were a lifeline during lockdown. I'm originally from Ireland but live in Lower Holloway near the Emirates. I've worked on building sites all over London since the early 1980s and the highlight was being head carpenter at the old Arsenal Stadium. This is my local club and it was great to get the opportunity to meet players like David Seaman and Ian Wright who were true gentlemen. It was hard work but a lovely environment and being so close to home I could still look after my children and go home for lunch. Just before the pandemic, I broke my back and became pretty much housebound. That was particularly frustrating because I'd just started being a regular visitor to Elizabeth House. I'd attend weekly get-togethers with quizzes, bingo, music and a meal at the end. I really enjoyed the food and socialising with other community members. Also, I used to bring my children here before I moved away for a while 25 years ago, so it was great to catch up with people I used to know. The lockdowns really affected me, mentally and physically, to the point where at one stage I was afraid I was becoming paranoid. It really scared me and affected my quality of life, not helped by the fact I had lost my independence. I was isolated, alone and afraid even to use the lift. I fell behind with my finances and struggled physically because I couldn't exercise. I found out about the Elizabeth House Food Hub from a flyer through my letterbox, 
and my GP suggested it too. Not only was I housebound, but I don't use the internet either, so I couldn't do online shopping. Getting food delivered was a real lifeline, and the hub helped me with food essentials, including different fruit and veg every week, and basics around the home, cleaning products, washing powder, toilet roll, and the like. It was a huge help, and I would have struggled to eat properly without it. The volunteers have been wonderful too, and I used to volunteer myself, so I know how hard they've been working. Tony has been my most regular visitor, and every time he calls in, he stops for a chat, which really brightens my day. I guess that until something like COVID happens, you don't always realise how important human contact is. The pandemic did inspire a lot of people to give up their time to help others, and the wider community, especially the people at Elizabeth House, have been great. People have been very willing to help, and that goes for Arsenal as well. Football clubs do have an impact on their communities, and I think it's so important for them to give something back too. For more information, visit elizabeth-house.org.uk. Academy Young Gun Amani Richards The Basics Born Camden 16th of November 2004 Joined 2nd of February 2021 Height and weight 5 foot 10 and 75 kilograms Position Winger forward School Highbury Grove I've got to be honest, even when I was at Chelsea, I still dreamed of playing for the Arsenal. I was left with no other choice really. It's in my blood. All of my family are gooners. It's always been Arsenal for me. I know it's the classic thing that everyone says, but Thierry Henry really was my idol growing up. I remember training with my dad as a kid and he always used to tell me to study his trademark finish closely. You know the one I mean. Get down the line, cut inside, open up your body and pass it into the corner. That was my signature finish at Sunday League and it's something that I still look to do in games today. After playing Sunday League football until I was 12, I was scouted by a number of Premier League clubs before I eventually joined Chelsea and spent the next four years of my life there. I've got so much to thank them for in terms of my development as a player and as a person too, but during my final season there, I felt like it got to the point where I wasn't being pushed and challenged in the way that I wanted to be. I'm the kind of person who likes to be tested all the time and I think that brings the best out of me both on and off the pitch. So I came to the decision that I needed to move on and make a fresh start elsewhere. And what better place to do that than here in North London? I was open to all kinds of challenges, but the reality is that Arsenal was always the place that I wanted to be. This is exactly what I wanted, a new environment with new expectations and a new way of looking at football. I wanted to join the club from the moment I heard Arsenal were in for me, but to then hear them lay out their plans for my development and how they can challenge me was amazing. They told me that they wanted to turn me into a true goalscorer, and that was something that really appealed to me. I want to add that clinical edge to my game. Turning up at London Colney for my first day was genuinely a dream come true. Growing up, I always used to watch the videos on Arsenal's YouTube channel, so I always knew exactly what it looked like. It was a crazy feeling. Receiving my first batch of Arsenal kits and training gear was amazing too. Obviously, I've had Arsenal shirts before but to have one that's genuinely mine is something really special. 
Just the thought of maybe one day wearing that shirt for the first team is something that keeps me motivated in every training session and game. I couldn't have asked for a better start to my life here at Arsenal, really. I scored on my full debut for the under-18s last season, and then I was handed my debut for the under-23s at just 16 years of age. That gave me so much confidence in terms of the belief and trust that the club have put in me. I remember we played Liverpool in the FA Youth Cup the day before, and then I got a text saying I was in the squad for the under-23s. I was like, wow, already? I really wasn't expecting it at all. Whenever you join a new club, there's always that pressure to perform and show everyone what you're about. So to be able to make an impact in the way that I did was a great feeling. Now I just need to keep believing in myself and keep it going. I love this club, and like any kid who grew up supporting Arsenal, my dream is still the same, to go all the way to the first team. Around the Academy, Hairland Cup returns. Hailend hosted their first post-pandemic tournament last week as our under-14s reached the final of the Hailend Cup. We entertained Cardiff, Everton and Norwich as our youngsters went all the way to the final before losing on penalties following a 1-1 draw with Cardiff City. Arsenal Chidozi Obi won the Golden Boot with four goals from five matches. It was fantastic to see the Hairland Cup back up and running with the boys giving it their all out on the pitches, the parents cheering on from the touchlines and staff from each club pulling together to make the day a real success, said Will Oldham, Academy Operations Manager. These events give the boys a valuable learning opportunity to experience tournament football and understand how to navigate that environment both as an individual and an effective team player. Under-23s topped the table. October proved to be an exciting month for our under-23s as we climbed to the top of the Premier League 2 with big performances against Everton and Leeds United. After slipping to only our second defeat of the season against Liverpool, Kevin Betts' side returned to winning ways with an emphatic 4-0 victory over the Toffees at Meadow Park. It was a complete performance from start to finish, featuring four well-worked team goals and the perfect example of Betts' philosophy and approach in our new 5-3-2 formation. Falarin Balogan, Salah Ulad Mahand, Ryan Alibusu and Zach Swanson were our goal scorers in a very assured team performance. And just one week later, our youngsters showed even more character and team spirit as they ran out 4-2 winners over Leeds United in a chaotic and intense game at Ellen Road. The hosts took the lead through former young gunner Sam Greenwood before Ulad Mahan scored another beauty to level. Leeds regained their advantage before half-time, but it was all Arsenal after the restart. Mika Biereth, Captain Belogan from the penalty spot after Kido Taylor-Hart was fouled in the box and Spanish left-back Joel Lopez completed the scoring with five minutes to go. Betts' side have now won seven of their opening ten league fixtures, scoring more goals than any other team. Belogan is flying, with eight goals from seven appearances so far. Elsewhere in our academy, our under-18 suffered a second consecutive defeat at the end of October, as they were beaten 3-2 by Crystal Palace at London Colney.
Keon Edwards and Marcelo Flores maintained their fine form as they were once again on the score sheet, but it was in vain. Edwards gave us the lead on just five minutes with his tenth goal in ten under-18 appearances this season. Flores restored our lead after Palace equalised with what was his seventh goal of the campaign. The visitors hit back instantly before grabbing the winner in the second half. It followed a 2-1 defeat away to Leicester the previous week, in what was our first reverse in the league after a six-game unbeaten start to the campaign under new coach Danny Michigi. Flores was on target again for us, but it proved a consolation. Muller gets up and running. Nikolaj Muller got off the mark for Victoria Köln last week as he scored twice during a dominant 7-1 victory over TUS Unter Esbach. Our young striker has received limited game time since heading out on loan in the summer, battling for his place in the starting eleven. But after this impact in the Middle Rhine Cup, he'll be hoping for more league minutes in the coming weeks. During the last season, Nikolaj built a good partnership with Falarin Bologan in the Premier League 2, where he scored eight times and assisted three from his 18 appearances for the under-23s. Osai Tutu steps up recovery. Geordie Osai Tutu has made some positive steps in his recovery from injury as he's returning to running outside again and taking part in some light ball work. The young right-back, currently out on loan at Nottingham Forest but recovering at London Colney, has been out with a recurrence of a hamstring injury which limited him to only a handful of appearances during his spell at the club last term. The versatile defender rejoined the East Midlands club in late August and made two championship appearances before being ruled out through injury. Osei Tutu's finest form to date arrived during his loan move to German second division club VfL Bochum in the 2019-20 season, where he scored five goals and also operated as a winger. Keep working hard, Geordie. We can't wait to see you back in action again. Behind the headline, like a huge silver cigar, The Guardian 1930. Before the start of the 1930 FA Cup final, Arsenal and Huddersfield emerged alongside one another in bright sunshine. Given the fact that Herbert Chapman had managed both teams, the FA decided that both teams should walk out in unison. The Arsenal fans, fortunate enough to gain access to Wembley, were in an ebullient mood, and the Glasgow Evening News reporter noted, I met a flaming procession, consisting of an Arsenal fan and friends covered in red from head to foot, and carrying a copy of the cup in the same colour, and half a hundred followers, all similarly attired. They looked on as Arsenal set about putting Huddersfield under immediate pressure. Star midfielder Alex James sees the initiative, and his goal came from a piece of off-the-cuff impudence. With 15 minutes on the clock, James was fouled by Goodall, and before he even heard the referee's whistle blow, he nudged the ball onto Cliff Bastin, who scampered down to the corner flag, doubled back under Goodall's challenge, and screwed the ball back to James. Without breaking his stride, James hammered in a great shot past Hugh Turner with the outside of his foot. 
James later revealed that he had discussed the move on the team bus prior to the match with Bastin. The winger had laughed at James, reckoning that the Scots' goal-getting days were over and that he'd had to think like lightning to outfox Turner. He told Arbiter of the Daily Mail, Turner had positioned himself so well that I saw that I could only hope to beat him by some deception. So I sliced the ball with the outside of my right foot and sent it swerving beyond the reach of the goalkeeper's left hand. James had been attempting lightning-quick free kicks all season, much to Chapman's annoyance, because the referee invariably made James retake it, and by then Arsenal had lost their impetus. Trainer Tom Whitaker later noted, It is strange that he helped to win the cup by virtually disobeying an order from his chief. Arsenal still had work to do, but not before the mother of all distractions hove into view early in the second half. Like a huge silver cigar, the Guardian, the Graf Zeppelin airship, accompanied by a dozen aircraft, drifted over Wembley just as Huddersfield were about to place Arsenal under a period of sustained pressure in the second 45 minutes. The Zeppelin was in England on a publicity trip, and even at the time its appearance was described by the Guardian as not graceful at all, but heavy, threatening, sullen, and creating a fearful din. In various football histories, the Zeppelin final, as well as heralding the emergence of Chapman's arsenal, was also highlighted as an ominous warning of Germany's growing industrial might during the 1930s. In fact, this was still three years before the Nazi party came to power, and the purpose of the Zeppelin's flight that day, in the words of Home Secretary J.R. Kleins, is a symbol of how Germany and England can now work in harmony to ensure that both countries benefit from advanced aerial power. After the enormous vessel eventually landed in Cardington Airfield, Bedfordshire, scientists from both nations met to swap aeronautic technology. The Zeppelin's appearance aroused some controversy afterwards when it emerged that the skipper of the vessel, Captain Lehman, had been one of the German captains heading up the Zeppelin bombing raids on London in World War I, but most newspaper reports suggested afterwards that the majority of the crowd, or those that weren't wedged at the back of the stands and therefore unable to look up into the sky, stared upwards and waved cheerfully at the passengers, who waved at them 2,000 feet above their heads. King George V seemed happy enough, raising his hat as the airship dipped its nose to salute him. George Mayle, 19 years old, pushing for a first-team place and looking on at Wembley, claimed, The appearance of the Zeppelin and the presence of the King, together with all the normal pomp and ceremony of the Cup final, gave the 1930 final a sense of history. It was unique because what happened was so unusual. Huddersfield certainly kept their concentration firmly on events at ground level and laid siege to Arsenal's goal for all bar the final two minutes of the second half. With 83 minutes on the clock, Arsenal appeared ready to buckle. In the days before substitutions, David Jack was virtually a passenger and Tom Parker had terrible cramps in both legs. I felt like I could barely stand. But Huddersfield had virtually punched themselves out. Then James intervened again. Receiving possession in his own half, he held the ball long enough to make the halves and backs uncertain of his intentions. Then he pushed the ball straight down the middle where Lambert, between the two backs, 
could not be challenged promptly by either, reported the Daily Mail. Forward Jack Lambert looked up, briefly stayed on the ball, and as Turner committed himself, Lambert slipped it past him to make the score 2-0. It says much for Arsenal's general fatigue levels that, when Lambert wheeled around to celebrate with his teammates, he discovered that he was marooned way up the pitch. So he was left to applaud himself as he jogged back toward his own half. At long last, Arsenal had lifted silverware and following in Tottenham and Chelsea's footsteps brought the FA Cup south. Parker collected the trophy from the King. Winger Joe Holm was gushing about the performance of James and the galvanising effect the victory quickly had on the club. Alec never looked back from that day and neither did the club. Everything we achieved afterwards, including the way the two Highbury East and West stands were built, was because of winning the FA Cup in 1930. For Huddersfield, although they would remain a strong side well into the 1930s, the party was over. Arsenal's celebrations could finally begin, and thanks to the appearance of the huge silver cigar, the 1930 final will always be referred to as the Zeppelin final. Arsenal Women News and reports from England's most successful women's football team. We're off to Wembley. Arsenal made it to a 17th FA Cup final last weekend after beating Brighton and Hove Albion 3-0 at Meadow Park. Jonas Eideval opted to rest Viviane Maydema, Lot Wubben Moy and Tobin Heath. But that didn't stop us from producing a complete and controlled team performance. Sitting deep in their own half, Brighton allowed us little space to attack throughout the opening exchanges before Caitlin Ford came close twice in quick succession. The Australia international was trusted to lead the line and saw her first effort saved from close range, followed by a glancing header that sailed just wide of the near post. Heading in at the break without a goal to our name has been rare under Idaval, but it didn't take us long after the restart to move one step closer to Wembley Stadium. The inform Beth Mead made a mazy run down the left wing and turned her marker inside out before picking out Kim Little inside the area, who showed great composure to control the ball and poke it past Megan Walsh. Meade wasn't done there, though, and with our next dangerous counter-attack, the England international combined with Jordan Nobbs before cutting inside and finding the bottom corner with a well-placed finish. By this stage, we were in cruise control, zipping the ball about with confidence to wind down the clock, but our third of the evening would arrive from a set piece. Once again, Meade was the architect, whipping in an inch-perfect delivery from a corner for Leah Williamson to head home at the far post. Meade has now scored 10 and assisted 15 goals in just 16 games for club and country this season. An outstanding record from an outstanding player. Barcelona tickets available. Tickets are now available from Arsenal.com for our UEFA Women's Champions League game against Barcelona at Emirates Stadium on Thursday, December 9th. 
General admission tickets are £12 for adults and £6 for concessions. Club level, which includes a premium seat, a half-time drink and a programme, is also available at £35 for adults and £17.54 concessions. Hospitality packages are also going on sale for this highly anticipated fixture very soon. Beth's Bouquet Beth Mead received a bouquet of flowers before the Brighton game, recognising her recent heroics with England. The Arsenal forward became the first woman to score a hat-trick for England at Wembley during the Three Lions 4-0 win over Northern Ireland on October 23rd. Blooming brilliant, Beth! Be there on December 5th. Arsenal will face old rivals Chelsea in the cup final at Wembley after they beat Manchester City 3-0 away from home, with the game taking place on Sunday, December 5th, with a 2pm kick-off. That's very early for a cup final, we hear you say. But this is, of course, the Covid-delayed 2020-21 FA Cup. Arsenal having beaten Gillingham, Crystal Palace and Tottenham on their way to playing Brighton in the last four. It goes without saying that we would like to see as many Arsenal fans at Wembley as possible and tickets are now available from as little as £2.50 for children. They are priced as follows. Adult Category 1, £25. Adult Category 2, Standard, £20. OAPs and students, £10. Children, £2.50. Groups of nine and over, adults are half price. Please visit the fa.com forward slash tickets to book your place at Wembley and note the fantastic rate for groups of nine and above. A great, inexpensive day out for a large group of gooners. 2021-22 Fixtures Home games are played at Meadow Park Borehamwood Football Club. Home games against Tottenham on March the 27th at Emirates Stadium. Matches kick off at 3pm unless stated otherwise. August 18th, FC Ogjeptas, 4-0. August 21st, PSV Eindhoven, 3-1. August 31st, Slavia Prague, home, 3-0. September 5th, Chelsea, home, 3-2. September 9th, Slavia Prague, 4-0. September 12th, Reading, 4-0. September 26th, Manchester City, home, 5-0. September 29th, Tottenham Hotspur, home, 5-1. October 3rd, Aston Villa, 4-0. October 5th, Barcelona, 1-4. October 10th, Everton, home, 3-0. October 14th, Hoffenheim, home, 4-0. October 31st, Brighton and Hove, Albion, home, 3-0. November 6th, West Ham United, home. November 10th, HB Cogue, 4.45pm. November 14th, Tottenham Hotspur. November 17th, HB Cogue, 7pm, home. November 21st, Manchester United. December 5th, Chelsea, Wembley. December 9th, Barcelona, 7pm, home. December 12th, Leicester City, home. December 15th, Hoffenheim, 7pm. December 19th, Brighton and Hove Albion, home. January 9th, 
Birmingham City. January 16th, Reading, home. January 23rd, Manchester City. February 6th, Manchester United, home. February 13th, Chelsea. March 4th, Birmingham City, home. March 13th, Brighton and Hove Albion. March 27th, Tottenham Hotspur, home. April 3rd, Leicester City. April 24th, Everton, home. May 1st, Aston Villa, home. May 7th, West Ham United. Visitors, Watford, by Mike Hammond. Formed 1881, nickname The Hornets, owner Gino Pozzo. Stadium Vicarage Road, 22,200. Honours, PL, Div 1, runners-up, times 1. Div 2, runners-up, times 2. Div 3, winners, times 2. Div 4, winners, times 1. FA Cup runners-up, times 2. Back in the Premier League after just one year away, Watford had five successive seasons in the top division until their relegation in 2019-20, a campaign during which they used three managers, Javi Gracia, Kike Sanchi Flores and Nigel Pearson, as well as interim boss Hayden Mullins, who was in charge when the Hornets last visited Emirates Stadium losing their final match of that pandemic-interrupted campaign 3-2 in late July. The Hertfordshire club bounced straight back from that disappointment by finishing runners-up in the championship last season to Norwich City. It took them two head coaches to bring them back up, Serbian recruit Vladimir Ivic lasting until December, when the Hornets were fifth, before he was sacked and replaced by the Spaniard Shizko who had just led Dynamo Tbilisi to a Georgian title triumph. Chitko was still in charge at the start of this campaign, but not for long. On October the 3rd, with Watford 15th in the table on seven points from seven matches, he was dismissed, becoming the first Premier League managerial casualty of 2021-22. to His replacement was former Leicester City title-winning boss Claudio Ranieri, still up for the challenge as he returned to English football just a couple of weeks short of his 70th birthday. The veteran Italian's results so far have been erratic. He kicked off with a 5-0 home defeat by Liverpool, which was followed by a remarkable 5-2 away win at Everton, in which former Toffee striker Josh King scored a hat-trick. Then, last weekend, Ranieri's side came back down to earth again as they were beaten 1-0 at Vicarage Road by Southampton, who moved ahead of them in the table, leaving them in 16th place going into this weekend. Eliminated from the Carabao Cup in September by Stoke, Watford's sole priority this season is to maintain their Premier League status. In addition to a new manager, they recruited a number of new players during the summer, including experienced international midfielders Juraj Kuka, Slovakia, and Musa Sissoko, France, as well as a couple of new strikers in King and Nigeria international Emmanuel Dennis from Belgian champions Club Bruges. The boss, Claudio Ranieri, head coach, born October 20, 1951 in Rome, Italy, previously 
Cagliari, 1988-91, Napoli, 1991-93, Fiorentina, 1993-97, Valencia, 1997-99, Atletico Madrid, 1999-2000, Chelsea, 2000-2004, Valencia, 2004-5, Parma, 2007, Juventus, 2007-9, Roma, 2009-11, Inter, 2011-12, Monaco, 2012-14, Greece, 2014, Leicester, 2015-17, Nantes, 2017-18, Fulham, 2018-19, Roma, 2019, Sampdoria, 2019-21. Claudia has been a high-profile manager for well over 30 years, but his first season with Leicester City in 2015-16 eclipsed everything as he led the Foxes to the Premier League title. He thus returned to English football in triumph 11 years after a four-year sojourn at Chelsea. Despite his impressive CV, his most significant achievements pre-Leicester had been domestic cup successes with Fiorentina and Valencia. 23. Pace to Burn. Ismail Assar, winger, born, Saint Louis, Senegal, 25th of February 1998, previously Metz, Rennes. Arsenal fans got an early glimpse of Ismail's footballing gifts when he starred and scored for Rennes in a 2018-19 Europa League tie. Coveted then by several European clubs, the jet-heeled young Senegal international, who impressed at the 2018 World Cup, opted to join Watford for a club record fee and made an early mark with two goals and an assist in a momentous 3-0 win against Liverpool. The flying right winger was the Hornets' top scorer in the championship last season with 13 goals and leads the way again this term with four in the Premier League. 26. Wearing the Gloves, Ben Foster, Goalkeeper Born, Leamington Spa, 3rd of April 1983 Previously, Stoke, Bristol City on loan Kidderminster on loan, Wrexham on loan Man United, Watford on loan Birmingham, West Brom Ben returned in July 2018 to Watford where he spent a couple of seasons on loan from Manchester United in the mid-2000s after ending a seven-year spell at West Brom. First capped by England in 2007, he missed out on selection for the 2010 World Cup and subsequently withdrew his services before returning to the fold and appearing at the 2014 World Cup. He has been preferred in goal of late to Austria's Euro 2020 keeper Daniel Beckman. 15. The Stalwart, Craig Cathcart, Defender Born Belfast, 6th of February 1989. Previously, Man United, Antwerp on loan, Plymouth on loan, Watford on loan, Blackpool. A Watford player since 2014 when he joined from Blackpool, centre-back Craig has helped the Hornets to two promotions from the Championship during his time at Vicarage Road and made 122 Premier League appearances for the club between 2015 and 2020. A versatile defender who can also operate at fullback, the 32-year-old has won 65 caps for Northern Ireland. He was an ever-present starter at Euro 2016 and remains a regular for Ian Barraclough's side. 5. The Lynchpin 
William Truesdekong, born Harlem, Netherlands, 1st of September 1993. Previously, Groningen, Dordrecht on loan, Ghent, Haugsund on loan, Borsasbor, Udinese. A much-travelled Dutch-born Nigeria international central defender, William joined Watford in September last year on a five-year contract, having spent two seasons as an Italian Serie A player with Udinese. England is the sixth country in which the 28-year-old has plied his trade, his only goal so far for the Hornets having come exactly a year ago today in a 3-2 win against Coventry. He has not missed a minute of Premier League action so far this season. 19. The Power Pack, Moussa Sissoko, midfielder, born Le Bon Bernil, France, 16th of August 1989, previously Toulouse, Newcastle, Tottenham. After five seasons at Tottenham, for whom he made more than 200 appearances in all competitions, Moussa joined Watford in late August on a two-year contract, making his Hornets debut in a 1-0 defeat back at Spurs a couple of days later. A powerful, aggressive central midfielder, the 32-year-old has been capped 71 times by France, having made his debut 12 years ago, but missed out on a place in Les Bleus' triumphant 2018 World Cup squad. 7. Leading the line, Joshua King, forward, born, Oslo, Norway, 15th of January 1992, previously Man United, Preston on loan, Borussia Mönchengladbach on loan, Hull on loan, Blankburn, Bournemouth, Everton. Josh joined Watford in the summer after being released by Everton, where he arrived only last February. His recent return to Goodison Park could hardly have gone better, as he scored a hat-trick to help the Hornets to a sensational 5-2 victory. The 29-year-old had five seasons as a Premier League player with Bournemouth, registering 48 goals at the top level for the Cherries. He has scored 17 times for Norway, though has been somewhat eclipsed in the team's attack of late by superstar Erling Haaland. 33. The new recruit, 1. Juraj Kuka, midfielder, born Bonice, Slovakia, 26th of February 1987. Previously, Probresova, Rosombrerok, Sparta Prague, Genoa, AC Milan, Trabzonpar, Parma. A vastly experienced Slovakia international with 90 camps who first made his mark at the 2010 World Cup in South Africa, Kuko, the name on his shirt, became a Watford player in August this year, making his debut in the club's 3-2 opening day home win against Aston Villa and scoring his first goal in the 5-2 victory at Everton. The sharp-shooting 34-year-old midfielder has spent most of his career in Italy's Serie A, including a two-year spell at AC Milan from 2015 to 2017. 25. New recruit, 2. Emmanuel Dennis, forward, born, Yola, Nigeria, 15th of November 1997, previously Zoria Luhansk, Club Bruges, Cologne, on loan. A 23-year-old Nigerian striker who first captured international headlines two years ago by scoring twice for Club Bruges in a 2-2 Champions League draw away to Real Madrid, Emmanuel moved from the Belgian club to Watford in June following a short loan spell with Cologne. 
He has scored in each of the Hornets' three Premier League wins this term against Aston Villa, Norwich and Everton, though has already collected five yellow cards and was suspended against Southampton last weekend. Scouting Report by Michael Cox In a way, it's a surprise Claudio Ranieri hadn't managed Watford previously. This is a club renowned for firing managers regularly, while Ranieri has become the go-to manager for a side battling relegation, particularly those leaking goals too easily. Add in Watford's Italian owners, and it seems like an obvious fit. Ranieri's three games in charge thus far have been highly eventful. A 5-0 thrashing at the hands of Liverpool, a dramatic late flurry of goals to seal a 5-2 win at Everton, and then a 1-0 loss to Southampton, where Watford were outplayed more than the scoreline suggests. Ranieri has long had the nickname Tinkerman for his habit of chopping and changing, and has used both a 4-3-3 and 4-2-3-1 so far. He also used two left-backs in tandem in an attempt to stop Mohamed Salah, although that experiment is unlikely to be repeated. The Hornets' stunning win at Goodison Park was dominated by Josh King, who scored a hat-trick against the team he sporadically played for last season. He's expected to lead the line here, getting himself into goal-scoring positions, but also working the channels well. He's developed a particularly good relationship with Ismail Assar, who, on his day, is one of the most direct, dangerous dribblers in the Premier League down the right flank. In fact, only Wolves and Tottenham's players have dribbled past opponents more regularly than Watford's players this season, which tallies with the sense that Ranieri's side are primarily dangerous on the counter-attack. Emmanuel Dennis missed last weekend's match due to suspension, but has impressed in victories over Aston Villa and Norwich with his directness. João Pedro is also an option down the left, or as a number 10, offering a turn of speed and measured pullbacks, while Cucho Hernandez has featured occasionally and offers great technical quality with his right foot. In midfield, Ranieri used Musa Sissoko as the deepest in midfield three at Everton, although he always looks more comfortable when allowed to break forward in inside right positions. Jan Kuka is a good battling all-rounder, capable of pushing forward into goal-scoring positions. Ozan Tufan may return if Ranieri wants a third central midfielder. Defensively, Watford conceded some silly goals under previous coach Gisco. William Truesdekong has been guilty of errors in terms of both passing and tackling, while Craig Cathcart can struggle against tricky, speedy forwards, and Francisco Sierra scored an own goal at Wolves. Niklas Nkulu was recruited as an extra option at the back. At fullback, Ranieri has dropped both Kiko Firmino and Danny Rose, who struggled against Liverpool, and turned to the duo of Jeremy Ngakia and Adam Messina. Goalkeeper Ben Foster is capable of brilliant saves, and his distribution has improved in recent years too, although he was caught in possession by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang for a free concession at Vicarage Road a couple of years ago. USP Conservative fullbacks. Modern fullback play is all about attacking, 
that Ranieri's crucial change during his remarkable title-winning campaign with Leicester City was switching his full-backs and favouring more defensive alternatives to energetic overlappers. With Watford, he's also asking his full-backs to largely remain in position and protect the centre-backs, with Jeremy Ngakia and Adam Messina favoured over Kiko Firmino and Danny Rose. Match action. Carabao Cup, fourth round, Tuesday, October 26, 2021. 7.45pm. Emirates Stadium. Arsenal 2, Chambers 56, Nicotia 69, Leeds United 0. Stats. Possession. AFC 45%, LUFC 55%. Total shots. AFC 14 LUFC 14. Shots on target. AFC 4, LUFC 5. Block shots. AFC 4, LUFC 6. Offsides. AFC 3, LUFC 2. Corners. AFC 10, LUFC 4. Tackles 1. AFC 7, LUFC 11. Yellow cards. AFC 1, LUFC 1 Red Cards AFC 0 LUFC 0 Timeline 4th minute Leno saves well from Harrison 8th minute Holdings header goes wide 55th minute Chambers scores a header with his first touch after coming on 69th minute Nicotia rounds the keeper and bobbles his shot home 89th minute Lacazetta fires over after good work to win the ball. Talking heads. Callum Chambers. It happened pretty quickly. I think all the guys on the bench who were putting me on, the set-piece coach Nico, the boss, they all said, go and score on your first touch. So that was all that was in my head. And yeah, it was nice to see it come off my head and go over the line. Mikel Arteta. You always think, should I make that many changes? At the end, they gave me the right reasons and I need to trust them. And I trust them. I see how they prepare every day and they deserve to play minutes. If not, yeah, you can tell somebody you trust them, but you never play him. It's not very logical and they deserve it. And they took the opportunity really well. Facts. Eddie Nicotere has scored five goals in six League Cup outings for Arsenal. Arsenal are unbeaten in 10 matches against Leeds United. Callum Chambers claims his first goal since September 2019. Match action. Leicester City 0, Arsenal 2. Arsenal scorers, Gabriel 5th minute, Smith Rowe 18th minute. Premier League. Saturday, October 30th, 2021. King Power Stadium. Timeline. Fifth minute. Gabriel heads home Saka's corner to give us the lead. 18th minute. Smith Rowe pounces on a loose ball in the box to fire home the second. 27th minute. Ramsdale makes a great full stretch save to deny Ianacho. 43rd minute. Ramsdale produces a miraculous stop from Madison's free kick. 61st minute. Ramsdale saves again 
this time from Barnes. Talking Heads, Aaron Ramsdale. It's just all about reactions. I was more worried that he was going to reverse it into my corner, but as it was a close free kick, he sort of had to get it up and over the wall, and that gave me a chance. He couldn't really whip it like he normally does. From then on, it's about explosion. If you get there, you get there, and if not, you don't. I'll watch it back, it's just one of those that can go either way. Mikel Arteta. I'm really happy with the performance, with the result, with the phases of the game we had to go through, and how we managed them. In general, to keep winning and playing the way we did, because if we play that way, we'll be closer to winning more matches. Facts. Arsenal are now unbeaten in nine matches, our longest unbeaten streak since February 2020. This was our fourth goal from a corner in the Premier League this season, one more than the whole of last term. Bukayo Saka made his 100th appearance for the first team. Supporters' Voice Ryan Zimmerman and Colin Price, also known as the BFC, tell us about the legendary Mark Rayner, affectionately known as OMR. OMR celebrated his 50th birthday in January, and his face will be familiar with many Gooners, as he has been following the Arsenal over land and sea for the best part of 30 years. Mark's first game was at home to Leeds on April 11th, 1981, a 0-0 draw with John Lukic in goal for our opponents. In 1997, Mark married the luckiest woman in the world, and he and Cathy are living happily ever after with their two beautiful daughters, Chloe and Hannah. Their first date was in Sheffield in April 1991, which happened to coincide with the Arsenal playing at Bramall Lane as we closed in on another title. In 2003, OMR took Cathy to Milan for her birthday, which happened to be the same day as our 5-1 win against Inter in the San Siro. How's your luck? If Mark made a list of his most disliked teams, our neighbours from Middlesex would be at the top. White Hart Lane in 2004 is his best trip up the Seven Sisters Road, but OMR has fond memories of the League Cup semi-final replay in 1987 and Rocky's late winner. He also has a bizarre recollection from that day, having been stopped and asked three times, got anything you shouldn't have, followed by the even more surprising, got any bazookas. OMR hasn't just seen us win the title at White Hart Lane. He was also at Old Trafford in 2002, whilst Anfield 89 is unlikely to be surpassed as his favourite match. He's enjoyed many FA Cup final victories, and while some think Abide With Me is the Cup final anthem, if you travelled back in the same train as Mark in 2005, you'll know it is, in fact, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts played on his phone from Cardiff to London on constant repeat. Before moving to Emirates in 2006, we were invited to a school in Ashburton Grove to choose our season tickets via a virtual reality view of the stadium. OMR assembled the group to make a collective decision, but whilst the rest of us were simply happy to sit anywhere, Mark turned up with his homework. Row 18, so that we're at eye level. East stand, so we don't get the sun in our eyes. Block 18 near the away fans so that we'll still get an atmosphere if our success or attendances dwindle. There's only one Marky Rayner. Now an Arsenal fan whose story should be told 
Perhaps they have gone to great lengths to show their support for the gunners, battled against difficulties in their lives, or shown great compassion for others. If you think they have a story, we need to hear it. Email us at program at arsenal.co.uk. Every supporter featured will receive a unique, personalised version of the Matchday programme featuring their story. Teams. Teams. For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta. Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts, red and white hoop socks. One, Ben Leno, goalkeeper. Three, Kieran Tierney. Four, Ben White. Five, Tomas Partey. Six, Gabriel. Seven, Bukayo Saka. Eight, Martin Odegaard. Nine, Alexandre Lacazette. Ten, Emil Smith-Rowe. Fourteen, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Fifteen, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. 16. Rob Holding 17. Cedric Suarez 18. Takahiro Tomiyasu 19. Nicolas Pepe 20. Nuno Tavares 21. Callum Chambers 22. Pablo Mari 23. Albert Sambi Lokonga 25. Mohamed Elneny 26. Follerin Balogun 30. Edian Kitia 31. Seat Kalasinak 32. Aaron Ramsdale, goalkeeper 33. Arthur Okonkwo, goalkeeper 34. Granite Sharka 35. Gabriel Martinelli For Watford, head coach Claudio Ranieri Yellow and black shirts, black shorts with yellow socks 1. Ben Foster, goalkeeper 2. Jeremy Ngakia 3. Danny Rose 4. Peter Atebo 5. William Trustekong 6. Imran Luza 7. Joshua King 8. Tom Cleverley 10. Xiao Pedro 11. Adam Massina 12. Ken Sima 13. Niklas Nkulu 15. Craig Cathcart 16. Dan Gosling 17. Ashley Fletcher 18. Ozan Tufan 19. Musa Sissoko 21. Kiko Firminia 23. Ismaila Saar 25. Emmanuel Dennis 26. Daniel Backman, goalkeeper 30. Christian Cabaselli 29. Cucho Hernandez 31. Francesco Sierra Alta 33. Jurai Kuka 34. Quadro Bar 35. Rob Elliott, goalkeeper Referee Kevin Friend Assistant Referees Adrian Holmes, Simon Beck Fourth Official Martin Atkinson, VAR Official Jared Gillett, Additional VAR Official James Mannering Today's Other Fixtures Everton vs Tottenham at 2pm. Leeds United vs Leicester also at 2pm. West Ham United vs Liverpool for 30pm. The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. No room for racism.
no room for racism anywhere. Arsenal and the rest of the Premier League will not tolerate racism anywhere, and we are taking action to combat all forms of discrimination. But we can all do more. Challenge it, report it, change it, and together we can make a positive impact. Visit premierleague.com forward slash no room for racism to find out more. Hashtag no room for racism. Challenge it, report it, change it. Premier League, Arsenal. EA Sports, FIFA 22. FIFA official licensed product. Powered by Football. Registered trademark. Pre-order now. 3. Registered trademark. www.pegi.info In-game purchases. In-game purchases includes random items. Play has no limits. Copyright 2021. Electronic Arts Inc. Electronic Arts. EA. EA Sports. The EA Sports logo. Ultimate Team. And powered by football are trademarks of Electronic Arts Inc. Official FIFA licensed product. Copyright FIFA and FIFA's official licensed product logo are copyright and or trademarks of FIFA. All rights reserved. Manufactured under license by Electronic Arts Inc. All UEFA Champions League registered trademarks, designs and and or copyright of UEFA, all rights reserved. The PlayStation symbol, PlayStation, PS4, PS5, and Play Has No Limit are registered trademarks or trademarks of Sony Interactive Entertainment, Inc. Amazon Original the Grand Tour presents Lockdown. New special. Watch now. Prime Video. 